Oh, there, there's the green light. Okay, I'm all set now. If you would, uh, turn your Bibles to the book of Colossians. Colossians, the first chapter. And I'll be reading beginning in uh, the 12th verse. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the power or the domain of darkness and conveyed or translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let us pray. Father, we just ask this morning that you bless this time of sitting before you, of meditating upon your word. Uh, grant, Father, a great uh, power and strength to go with your word. Open up the eyes of our hearts. Help us, Father, to believe and to act and to glorify you. Again, bless this time sharing your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just share for a moment with you how I came to preach on this subject. It is short notice, of course, and I've just got a page of notes, so we, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever had a song just get stuck in your head and you just can't get rid of it. Now, you probably have to be from the 60s or 70s uh, to remember, but Simon and Garfunkel, Homeward Bound. And I got that song stuck in my head, and every time my mind wasn't thinking about something else, I was singing Homeward Bound. I'm like, it was okay. It's a great song, and I enjoyed it and everything else. But after a while, it got really annoying. <laughs> and I don't know how you deal with that situation, but whenever I encounter that, what I do is I just exchange it for another song. So I decided I'd get rid of Homeward Bound, so I began singing, Redeemed How I Love to Proclaim. That. So I'm singing that song, now it gets stuck in my mind. And so that song's been in my mind for a couple of weeks, and meanwhile I've been studying uh, verse by verse through the book of Colossians, and then I came to this passage of scripture, and there once again was the word redeemed. So my mind has been upon that great subject of redemption. Now, what I have to say this morning, I guess you would put into a category that's called a doctrinal sermon. Sometimes people say, well, this is a doctrinal sermon. Oh, this is a practical sermon. But I'll tell you that the truth of the matter is that all doctrine is practical. And all Christian practice is doctrinal. There is no real difference between the two. Everything we believe uh, is doctrinal. And in fact, in order for us to grow spiritually, we have to be well-grounded in biblical doctrine. Paul says that in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, he says that we no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. But speaking the truth in love, we grow up into him who is the head, even Christ. And so doctrine is extremely important. Now we have in the text before us 
the great doctrine in verse 14, the great doctrine of redemption. Redemption. Now, what does it mean, the word redemption? Well, the word was commonly used in the first century. It was used in official documents, and it primarily refers to a slave trade. It means to purchase, to buy out of slavery, either to purchase one's freedom or to purchase one for your own use as a slave. So it is a slave term. Now in the context, Paul may also have been thinking of Israel's great deliverance out of bondage in Egypt. For they were slaves in Egypt, and he says in verse 13, he delivered us from a domain of darkness or the power of darkness, and he has transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. And God said uh, to Moses, he says, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched hand. So when Paul talks about being brought out of this domain and power of darkness, being brought over into the kingdom of light, he may perhaps have been thinking of that thought of deliverance, how the Egyptians were delivered, or the Israelites were delivered out of Egypt, brought into the promised land. We have been delivered out of the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son of his love. But also... Here, and I believe elsewhere, Paul is referring to the slave trade and the thought of redemption out of slavery. We know from Scripture that there were slaves in the church at Colossae. The book of Philemon speaks, and it, he was a member at Colossae, speaks of a slave who had run away. Now, slavery is a great and terrible evil, and I'm not going this morning preach on slavery, but I want you to recognize that in the Roman Empire, up to a third of the people were slaves. It was a nation, an empire, built primarily upon slavery. It was part of their social fabric. It was part of their economic factor. It wasn't always slavery in the sense of we think of American slavery, although great horrible things were done. Often the slaves served in high-ranking positions, but nevertheless it was part of that time. And so those setting, and that's the way in which we go about interpreting Scripture, we have to take ourselves and we have to place ourselves where they were. We have to try to understand what the Bible says from the perspective of the people who first heard it. That's the way you do it. The truth does not change. What was true to the first century church is still true to us today. We are live in a modern time. We may interpret scripture in a sense of applying it differently, but nevertheless, we have to determine what indeed was the original message. And I want to say, just three things and briefly about this idea of redemption and redemption out of slavery. There were three ways, at least three ways, that I know of a person became a slave. And I want to make a spiritual application to those three things.
The first way in which one found themselves in slavery was the very fact that they were born into slavery. They were born slaves. They were born from slave parents. They were born into slavery. Now what does that have to do with us and with Christianity, with the whole idea of redemption? It has this to do with it. And that is the doctrine of the fall of man. I'm not going to take time to read through Romans chapter 5 and verses 12 and following, but in that section of scripture, Paul says there's two great figures that represent, or two figures that represent humanity. He said on the one hand, Adam stood there and he represented all of humanity. But in Adam, man fell. Adam's sin also became a problem for all of humanity. And every single individual is born into that state. He says in Romans chapter 5 that through Adam came sin. Through Adam came condemnation. Through Adam came about judgment from God. But nevertheless, he says there is another one. And that other one represents a different type of people. There is one kind of humanity. It takes in every single person who is born physically into this world. They're all born of Adam. They're born in sin. And yet there's another one, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And all those who are connected with him, all those who accept him by faith, they are born again. The whole world can be divided into two camps. There are those who are born once, and there are those who are born twice. There are those who are born physically, and that's all of us. And yet there are those who are born spiritually. And he says that in Christ Jesus you find grace, and you find forgiveness, and you find acceptance, and you're justified. And he goes on to say, and he puts up these two figures, here's what happened when Adam fell. We fell with him. And sin had permeated mankind to such an extent that it affects the mind of man. It affects the emotions of man. It affects the desires and drives. It affects the will of man. And I'm not saying by that that everyone is as bad as they could be, but I'm saying that everyone has been tainted by sin. They're born into this state of sin. And we need, from that state of sin, redemption. And that's exactly what God has done for us in Christ Jesus upon the cross. There upon the cross, he bore the burden of sin. There upon the cross, he bore our sin. There upon the cross, he suffered our death, stood under our judgment, died, was raised from the dead, victorious. And I really love this in Colossians chapter 1 and in verse 12, for he says... We have been qualified. Who qualified us? You know, you go to get a job, and they say, what is your qualifications? Ah, we list out some qualifications and make them think that they may want to hire us. But the fact of the matter, the verse says, the Father, that God has qualified us. We cannot qualify ourselves in any way, shape, or form to be part of the kingdom of God. It is not possible. We bear no qualifications in and of ourselves. And yet God has chosen to qualify us. Our works won't do it. Our goodness won't do it. Only Christ 
can bring about that qualification and united together with him in all of our weakness. And I'm saying this about being born to slavery, even though we are saved, we still here in the flesh. We still struggle in the flesh. The flesh wars against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. But nevertheless, God has granted us victory. He'll grant us ultimate victory. The Bible talks about the redemption of the body. There'll be a day when all the effects of sin will be done away with for the people of God and we'll stand in glory with him. And that's one way in which I can draw this parallel between slavery. Man is born into that state and God delivers him out of that state and brings him in to a kingdom under a new Lord, a new master, a loving Lord, a loving master, one who walks with you, one who is your friend, one who will stand by you, one who will never desert you, never leave you, a kind, kind Lord. The second way in which one became a slave in the first century was that of conquest. When the Roman Empire went out, they went out against an enemy, they defeated the enemy, and they took slaves. They brought them back, and often they'd have a big procession, and the slaves would be marched through the streets as a sign that they were victorious over these people. And so some were enslaved because of conquest, because of warfare. We are involved in a great battle. We are involved in a battle with Satan. Let me just read to you from Ephesians chapter 2. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Do you see that? He said, here are individuals who are alive physically, but they are dead spiritually. They don't realize it, but they're walking according to the course of the world. And behind the course of the world, there stands one, Satan. We know that he is enslaving capturing people, taking them into captivity, captivity to many things. I'll talk about a few in a minute. But captivity to many things, they need redemption. They need to be brought out of that slavery, brought into the kingdom. And that's what he says here in Colossians uh, chapter 1 when he says, you have been delivered, you have been taken and brought out from that whole realm of, of ungodliness and the realm of Satan. And you've been brought into this grand kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And there's something we need to realize. There's two things you can do with Satan. One is you can ignore him. Many people ignore him. Ah, figment of the imagination. Ah, some guy running around with a pitchfork. What do you mean, Satan? Ah, he's a powerful spiritual being, and it's a mistake to ignore him. But the other mistake the Christian can make is to put too much credit to him. To give him too much credit. Come on now, the Bible says this. It says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, in the family of God. We no longer walk in that domain and power of darkness. Oh, it intrudes upon us. It does. My wife is terribly afraid of the dark. I don't know what to do with her. 
I'm not. I love the dark. I'll go outside anytime. I'll walk anywhere in the dark, even if I can't see. But my wife's afraid of it. I'm always having to light a candle or run and turn a light on, waste some electricity. But I don't complain about it. But the thing of the matter is, I'm not complaining, but the thing of the matter is that when I turn on the light, the darkness flees. And then she's happy. And I'll tell you this, because she's always telling me it's starting to get dark. Dennis, turn on the light. Oh, okay. I'm not doing anything else. I'll turn on the light. But when the light comes on, the darkness flees. And I'll tell you when Satan attacks and that darkness and tries to enslave us again, turn on the light. Draw close to Christ who is the light of the world. Allow his light to shine in you. Allow his light to shine through you and see what Satan can do about it. He has come to redeem us not only out of what happened uh, through the fall of mankind, but he came to redeem us. Redeem us from the powers that surround us, from the ways of the world. In fact, Peter says, I didn't write it down, but Peter makes the point about redemption. And Peter says he's redeemed you from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. He has redeemed you from that whole scheme and system of the world. He has brought you out from under that and brought you into the kingdom of the son of his love. And then the third thing I will say uh, briefly is this. There's a third way in which they became slaves. And I think we all can testify in some realm to this. And that is they became slaves voluntarily. You think, huh? What do you mean? Who just volunteers to be a slave? People don't go around saying, hey, I want to be a slave. But the fact of the matter, in the first century, some did. They would incur a great debt or something of that kind. They had no way in which to repay it. So they would give themselves over into slavery in order to take care of the debt. Slavery, voluntary slavery. I can use myself as an example. When I was but a young teenager, barely into my teens, I encountered drugs. Now, in the beginning, I think it was peer pressure. I was lonely. I had a troubled home, a terrible upbringing. And I found a group of people who accepted me. I began to use drugs early on. And for eight years, drugs controlled my life. And I'm talking about all fashion of drugs. It controlled my life. Now, what began voluntarily? No one tied me up and made me do that. It began voluntarily, but before long, it became an addiction. It controlled me. I was enslaved to it. I could not break free. I needed a redeemer. And one day Jesus met me. And I'll tell you, it was just like that I was free. I went to no counselor. I sat in no meeting. I talked to no one. When Christ met me, the desire for drugs, although it had ruled my life, was gone. It was gone. And I was amazed. I no longer wanted it. I only wanted Jesus. But people do voluntarily enter into slavery. 
Some get in their mind, the more toys I have, the greater wealth I have, oh, the greater I'm going to be in life. And before long, it becomes an obsession with them. They become enslaved to that dollar. They become enslaved to those things. Those things rule their lives. Or it may be a person. Oh, I've got to have that person. I've got to be near that person to such a degree that they can't think about Christ or God or eternal matters. They're consumed and sold themselves into slavery. Or it could indeed be a false religion. You know, a person begins to attend a cultic-type group that doesn't preach the Word of God, and before long, they're enslaved to a false religion, all the while thinking, I'm right with God, all the while thinking, I'm free, I'll do what I want, not knowing they're enslaved. And that's the way in which I thought when I was in bondage, well, I'm a free man, I'll do whatever I want to do. Who tells me I can't take this? Who tells me I can't do what I want to do? And I justified it because I was a great worker. I went to work every day. I worked harder than most people. But I was stoned all the time. I was addicted. I thought I was free, but I was enslaved. And people become enslaved. And we need that redemption, that forgiveness. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. Christ Jesus paid it all. Redemption, slavery, bondage, these things. You know, the world and here in Vermont also, they're struggling with all kinds of problems with drugs and other things. And they have all kinds of programs and they're spending all kinds of money. They're throwing things this way and throwing things that way. And the condition gets worse and worse and worse. And there's no end in sight because there's only one solution to the problem that lays before them. And that solution is Jesus Christ. And the government's not going to say that. They're not going to say that. It's Christ. I had an interesting thing at work happen this week when I was sitting at the break room and all of a sudden the lady from HR comes out and sits across me and is looking at me. Well, I'm looking at her. Is she going to fire me? What's going on here? And she said, there is a man who works on another shift. He is having a problem. And we can't reach him. We can't get to him. Will you talk with him? And they allow me to leave work go to his house. I called him on the phone. Can I come and see you? I went to his house. I sat down, threw out the Bible. I didn't send me there to preach, but I came to preach. And I'll tell you, we sat there for over an hour and we shared scripture and I prayed with him and I accomplished what the company had sent me to do. They didn't send me to preach, but that's the only way in which I could accomplish it. I didn't know any other way to help the man but to tell him again about Jesus Jesus, Jesus. Christ has redeemed us. Christ has brought us out of the domain of darkness. We today, every single child of God, is walking in the kingdom of the Son of His love. And this verse begins where I began reading. It says, give thanks to the Father. Give thanks to the Father. Rejoice in redemption. Rejoice in the fact that He met you. Here you were fallen in Adam. Here you were biased towards sin. Here you were consumed in it. And nevertheless, Christ met you. And then 
Here you were conquered by Satan, but Christ set you free, filled you with his spirit. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And then there's that voluntary aspect. Ah, we sold ourselves into sin. And Christ said, that doesn't matter where you are now. Let me take you somewhere else. Let me take you somewhere else. Let me bring you out of that domain and that power and that darkness. And let me bring you into the light and fill you and love you and show you compassion and grace and bring you through to the end and bring you through the final glory where we'll all celebrate the very fact that we have been redeemed. Thank you.